Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joining us right now on our VIP line, one of my very favorite people and one of the most interesting people you will ever have a chance to talk to or hear from. Yaron Brook is the chairman of the board of the Ayn Rand Institute. He's the host of the Yaron Brook Show on YouTube. Yaron, good morning. Thanks so much for being with me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Anytime. Uh, before we jump into all the, well, all the stuff we're going to talk about, just so my listeners understand, tell us your uh, educational and professional background before you got involved with the Ayn Rand Institute, what you used to teach, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I've got a PhD out of the University of Texas in Austin in, in finance. I, I used to teach uh, finance at, at the university level. I, I, uh, I have and still do run a hedge fund. So I'm deeply entrenched in the kind of the financial economic world. Perfect. I wanted to make sure people people knew that about you as we get into this conversation. Sure. First, let's start with kind of the the intersection of politics and principle, which is what you're always about and what I try to be yep. about most of the time. And let's let's start at the federal level and then maybe we can move to the state level, at least to the degree that you think the conversation might be a different one. What is the appropriate and constitutional federal responsibility and federal response, the appropriate federal response to what we're dealing with right now? So it's a very difficult question because we are so far removed from the Constitution and the constitutional role of government right now that it's hard suddenly to say, well, on this crisis, the government should only do what's constitutionally approved because the government, 90% of what the government today does is not constitutionally approved. 90% of what the government does today should have been overturned by the Supreme Court as unconstitutional from the existence of uh, alphabet soup agencies to the, uh, you know, to the to Medicare and Medicaid that allow the government to control our healthcare system. So we, we are already in a place where the government is not following the Constitution. In an ideal world where we had a government as our founders envisioned it, a government whose sole responsibilities were the protection of individual rights, where the government had no involvement in health care or in our economy, then the sole responsibility of the government would be to, to identify uh, and isolate people who have the virus. That is, uh, identify people who constitute a threat to others, which is people who carry the virus. So, uh, you know, the role of government is to protect us. The role of government is to protect is to protect our individual rights, uh, protect them from coercion by others. Somebody uh, giving me a virus uh, that I did not want is a violation of my rights. That person, once identified, should be isolated and removed. But that's it. That is the only role of government in a place like this. One could argue that you know they, they would then track that person and figure out who he's interacted with and then warn those people and test those people and, again, isolate those people who've actually got the virus. 
That would require massive testing, something we failed to do from day one. And it would require single-minded focus on getting the people who have the virus separated from the rest of society. And that would be all the government would do in a ideal world. I think in the world in which we live today, I'd say there's one other thing the government needs to do, and that is, given the fact that the government controls so much of our healthcare system today, uh, at the federal and at the state level, I think that the government needs to, you know, invest whatever resources are required in order to help the hospital system, the healthcare system, cope with uh, the overload that uh, this virus is generating. So whether that is by providing the financial resources to make sure that they have the ventilators, the masks, the, all the tools and extra hospital beds that they need in order to cope with this. In a free market, that would not be necessary. Uh, hospitals and insurance companies and others, you know, the market would take care of that. But since we don't have a free market in healthcare, since 60 to 70% of all healthcare dollars are spent by government, we have no choice but to rely on government uh, to do th- th- that job. And one of the reasons this, we're seeing the failure all around us is because government is not very good at it. Central planning doesn't work. So it's no surprise that we're suffering much more than we actually need to be suffering. So I can hear some of my more liberal listeners listening to you saying, Yaron, on what planet do you think that health insurers would do the right thing without being forced to or shamed into it by government? On the planet in which the insurance companies are motivated by making money, motivated by profit. Insurance companies make money when we stay healthy. Insurance companies don't make money when we get sick. Insurance companies don't make money when we go to the ICU and they have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to cover our expenses in the ICU. So insurance companies have, in a free market where there's real competition, not in the world in which we live today, where insurance companies are basically government utilities, uh, where they're regulated, every aspect of their business is regulated primarily at the state level, not so much at the federal level, but with Obamacare now at the federal level as well. Uh, you know, insurance companies in a competitive free market would have a strong incentive in helping us to stay healthy and in doing things to keep us out of the hospital and in if we're going to make it to the hospital, insurance companies have an incentive that in, to, to prepare in advance to make our hospital visit as quick and as efficient as possible and as cheap as possible in the end so that they don't, you know, they don't suffer huge losses. And that means that insurance companies would be motivated to prepare, to be ready. To, to They would negotiate with hospitals about preparedness. They would make sure the hospitals have enough beds, have enough equipment, have enough ventilators because the insurance company wouldn't want to have to pay the kind of exorbitant prices that would have to be paid in an emergency uh, where, where, where supplies are limited. So, you know, and hospitals would have the same kind of incentives if they were true profit-seeking and wouldn't have to, uh, have, to, have to deal with Medicare and Medicaid that are squeezing them constantly. I mean, the reason the United States has very, very few hospital beds as compared to most countries in the world. We have like something like 2.3 hospital beds per, per person is that per thousand or something like that is because hospitals are being so squeezed by Medicare and Medicaid, so squeezed by state health agencies that they have had to cut hospital beds in an attempt to, to, to eke out any kind of profit. 
in a truly competitive market, in a, in a, in a, in a place where um, government is not involved, hospitals could be a, a quite a profitable business and could invest, therefore, in long-term viability and in long-term ability to deal. Look, this is the thing we should learn from this crisis. The thing to learn from this crisis is government has failed on an unimaginable level. The Trump administration has been a catastrophe. State governments are not much better. There has to be a better way than this. And it's not like the socialist systems or the social health care systems of Italy, France, Spain, the UK have done a better job. Governments throughout the world, with the exception maybe of South Korea, governments throughout the world have failed dramatically. The, in my view, the private sector would have done a you know, astronomically better job at dealing with a pandemic or dealing with any kind of crisis like this than governments have shown the capacity to do. Do you think the uh, what you're describing is poor performance of our federal government right now? Do you think that is, or or in what proportions do you think that is a failure of leadership of this particular president versus simply the nature of government to fail at this kind of thing? Well, I think it's it's to a large extent the failure of government to, to do these things. But I think this particular administration has failed above and beyond. That is, I think this particular president, I think, has has no real respect for his for advisors, for, for, for rational scientific advisors. He shows this across other other areas of uh, of governing. And I think he, he didn't listen to the experts early on when when actions could have been taken. He didn't use his his capacity as a chief executive to free up the FDA and the, and the CDC when he could have in uh, in late January, early February, so that we could have the testing capacity that let's say South Korea had. Um, and and he he continuously wavers, he underplays or overplays, and and I think he, he creates an environment in which nobody knows what the proper guidance is and what is coming next from Washington. So I think this particular administration is particularly bad, but I think any administration would have failed. The only governmental response that has been good has been in South Korea, where where South Korea very early on, as soon as these cases were being reported in China, got together with private companies and basically told the private companies, look, this is coming to South Korea. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, what we need is testing capacity. So develop tests and we will streamline them. We will get them. We're not going to put roadblocks in front of you. 20 different companies in, in South Korea ramped up production of tests. No travel bans. There's still no travel bans in, in South Korea. You know, they get flights from China all the time. Uh, but they immediately started testing people, isolated the people, figured out who those people had interacted with, when tested them isolated them, and they got this thing under control in amazing time. So for those who, who, who believe that government can't serve a proper function, the model should be how South Korea did it. And they relied a lot extensively on the private sector. And uh, I just wish that in late January, the White House would have convened the top biomedical companies in the United States, the evil, the so-called evil pharma and uh, and evil uh, uh, bio bio companies asked them to start developing tests, promised them streamline approval, uh, asked them to start developing antivirals, promised them streamline approval, 
and we would be in a in a much much better shape today. And we suppose the other country of capitalism and of a private enterprise, and we completely utterly failed when it came to all of this. My special guest is Yaron Brook, chairman of the board of the Ayn Rand Institute, their website, AynRand.org, and he also hosts the Yaron Brook Show on YouTube. Um, let's see, I want to just, we got about three minutes left, Yaron. I want to ask you a sort of financial question more than a principal question. Sure. With this $2.2 trillion pork fest behemoth spending spree <laughs> called the CARES Act that was just passed. Is there any part of it other than perhaps funding for hospitals that you described earlier? Is there any part of it that you think is okay? And what is the part of it that you think is most harmful? Because you probably think almost all of it is harmful. Almost all of it is harmful. I, you know, I think even the hospital spending is pork-filled, and it, it won't make any difference for this crisis. It might help for future crises because the money's not going to be deployed to hospitals in time. A bill to support hospitals should have been passed in January or February, not in late March. I mean, it is absurd and ridiculous and will do nothing to help us with this particular uh, pandemic. Uh, you know, if you were going to do a stimulus bill, if you were going to do something, and arguably the government should do something given that it is responsible for this fiasco, then uh, the only thing I would suggest would be sending checks to Americans. And it should send checks to everybody so they can do it fast, so we don't have to figure out who gets it and who doesn't get it. Maybe, maybe settle up later with taxes, but send a check to every American. I think a, 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 a check and let, then let individual Americans choose what use to make of that money, what values to pursue, what businesses to support, rather than the pork-filled, you know, uh, corruption-laden uh, and, and, you know, the bailouts, the bailouts of, you know, Boeing is going to get a bailout. Why is Boeing getting a bailout when they screwed up on the 737 MAX? Uh, who knows who else is going to get a bailout? I'm sure a lot of local companies of local senators will get bailouts. Uh, so it's, it, it, you know, this, this allocation of money to, to special interest groups, to special industries, that is what is most horrific about this bill. The least offensive, I think, is a check to the American people. Uh, but, I, you know, the fact is that what we are doing with this bill is we're trying to give ourselves short-term solace, short-term boost to the economy, which we might get at the expense of, of a generation's worth of economic growth. So what the outcome of this is that we are going to spend $2 trillion, and then the economy of the United States will not grow almost at all for a decade or two after this. We are, we are sacrificing our futures for a boost of sugar high right now. And uh, it is tragic. It's tragic for us. It's tragic for our children. Uh, it's tragic for people who are going to seek economic opportunities. And this sets us up for, for ever-growing government as people are disappointed in, in the market, disappointed in their jobs, and, and turn again and again and again to government to bail us out. So I, I see no positive outcome coming out of this coronavirus, and particularly out of the stimulus bill and the Fed's action and, and, and everything else. It's, it's a long-term uh, catastrophe for this country. Uh, I'll tell you, we've only got a few seconds left. I'll, I, you, first of all, you sure are a ray of sunshine today. Um, and, and second of all, I will say there, there is some potential upside. I, I, I think that some of the stuff that, 
that has been done to, uh, quote-unquote, temporarily suspend certain kinds of regulations and licensing and stuff like that couldn't end up with a somewhat more permanent and bigger push in that direction in certain areas. It might it might work out uh, okay in certain areas. And, and the last thing I'll say is... suggests otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. The last thing I'll say is... If Yaron Brooks says that the best thing about a piece of legislation is that it sends every taxpayer money, which you know is something that Yaron Brooks hates, and I don't like it either, yep. uh, that must be yep. a really bad bill, <laughs> if that's the best thing in it. It, it. it truly is awful, and of course, but, but it, it, it's, it's awful on top of awful because, because the, the government's actions, and you asked about the local level, at both the federal and the local and the state level have all been awful and unfocused and are going to cost Americans lots of lives and our economy. Uh, and it's, it, it is, it, you know, you know me, I don't like to be doom and gloom. I'm an optimistic, generally optimistic yeah, you are. person to see the, see the positive, but it's really hard to see failure after failure. It reminds me to some extent of 0809, just worse, you know, 0809, you know, I get it. And I don't mean to cut you off here on, but Yep, but no uh, yes, but we got to go. Um, everybody, <laughs> check out einran.org and check out the Yaron Brook Show on YouTube. I promise you, you will love it and learn a lot. Yaron, thanks so much for being here. Always a pleasure, Russ. Bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.